Well, today we have the uh, joy and privilege of hearing uh, Jason Bollinger preach God's word to us. If you don't know who Jason Bollinger is, he has been leading worship here at the Grove basically since day two, uh, since like before the stage and before the lights and when the projector was on the floor and it just like was right there and it was very basic. Uh, that's when they were coming and leading us. And so we're really grateful that he is going to be here today to preach to us for the first time. Not only has he led us in worship, but now he'll lead us through the worship, uh, through the preaching of God's word. Um, a little bit of background on Jason so that you can hear a little bit about his heart. He's going to explain a little bit of this, but um, Jason and his wife Holly, they planted Riverstone Church in San Marcos, Texas some years ago. Um, and as they did that, they also felt um, the call to uh, reach the world in so many different ways. Um, and so they are also the proud parents of three children. They make up the Ball Fam Five, as I've um, Followed along on the hashtags, yes, uh-huh, yeah. I'm getting a good nod from, from Holly, and so that's a beautiful thing. Um, Jason is the CEO and president of Lynx International, which has been instrumental in helping us provide spiritual, emotional, and financial health to our partner, Beak, in India. Before there was a Friends of India, there was a conversation in Jason's office between myself, Beak, Aaron, and Jason, trying to get him uh, and help him to kind of get established in India with very, very few resources. And so he has played a huge role, not just in our worship, but also in our worship in India. And so um, we can't wait to continue to have him speak into our lives today. But Lynx International, it partners with churches and organizations to inspire, empower, train, and resources, and resource individuals and communities to break free from poverty and disease. If you don't know this about Jason, he um, is a Renaissance man, and, and I mean, I could keep going with his uh, like credentials, so to speak, but he's also an oil field chaplain for Covenant Testing, which is an oil and gas company in Sugarland. Uh, I know that keeps him busy. I know that keeps him traveling, but he does that because I know it gives him all kinds of opportunities to share the gospel with people that desperately need it. And so we're grateful that you have truly lived a life of example that Philippians 2 says that we should pour ourselves out as drink offerings so that the gospel can continue to make headway across the world. So we're grateful for that example in you. We can't wait to hear what God has to say through you. And so would you guys help me welcome Jason Bollinger up to preach God's word with us? Thanks, man. Appreciate you. Thank you. Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to be with you guys. Man, I don't know if I can live up to that introduction or not, but um, I'll try. Um, man, we have some, I just want to take a moment. We've got some friends with us, part of our mission organization, something that it, you probably don't know much about it, but it's actually founded in the UK uh, before we made the hop across the pond. Holly and I joined the party a little late, uh, but our friends, we have with us Joe Gisby, um, and Joe is uh, the CEO of our UK office of Lynx International. Ryan Fields is here as well, and Joe's son, Luca. So they talk really funny, so you may have a hard time understanding them if you want to talk to them. But it really is, we really just, the, more than anything, um, we just try to partner together to get the good news of the gospel to the places that need it the most. Whether it's here in Fort Bend County, in the developing world, our focus through links is, is in the nations. And uh, the best stuff we do, we don't get any credit for because it's just about connecting organizations and people and families and mobilizing people to be solutions, um, to confront poverty, to create potential. I've got, um, and so, I thought I was falling off a stage, but I'm not, it's okay. So, um, what was before that? This is how professional I am. Before that, and before that, 
and before that. He did such a good job like leading you through. So we don't need to talk about that. So next one, we confront poverty. I mean, we just show up places and go, why are people dying? And what are the most devastating effects of poverty in your area? And this happens to be in Nicaragua. And we were praying with this family because the, the night before, literally hours before, um, a torrential rain came and this family's house came this far from being swept off of a mountain. And that's because they're squatting on property that's not theirs because they don't have a job, because they don't have access to anything that would help them have a job. And so we got to pray for them and help be a part of seeing them come to a better housing situation that has since allowed them to uh, work and, and, and provide for their family. That's one of the ways we confront poverty. There's some other ways that we confront poverty. We'll go to the next one, I think. Clean water, uh, community health care, microenterprise development, leadership training, agriculture, church planning, and housing. And those are some examples to this stuff. Killed it already? Green, green and everything. All right. Well, I'll just, you know, this is dangerous, man, with the handheld. I can get some TD Jakes up in here. Come on. Um, all right. So, um, so we, pr we try to provide solutions for poverty's realities through these various different ways. The other thing we do is we create potential. And this picture you're going to see here is on a recent trip where we took a team down to El Salvador. This young lady in the middle, she was raised in an orphanage where two normal people from Colorado who had worked in business for 20 years felt God called them to go do something in Latin America. So they went to Costa Rica and they learned Spanish and they didn't consider themselves pastors, didn't consider themselves missionaries. And they found themselves in El Salvador where 40 years later, these non-missionaries and non-pastors have established an orphanage, a school, a hospital, community outreach, and bookstores all over El Salvador distributing Christian literature uh, in a place where nobody else was doing that. This young lady in the middle, she was raised in the orphanage and now she works at the orphanage, but we had the privilege of helping send her as a missionary to Uruguay because she felt God's call to send her to unreached people in a different nation. And so against all odds, that creates potential when you just start loving people and you start confronting poverty. You just don't know what God's going to do. And so we get to see things like this all the time. And the, the way that we do it is just through partnerships. We cultivate partnerships and we'll partner, we'll partner with anybody. You know, sometimes it's one person that has a heart for a certain place. And we are currently working in over 60 countries. So the reality is, is we know somebody there. Wherever it is you have an interest, we can connect you. If we're not doing projects that we're facilitating, we are, we know and have friends that are. And so uh, it's been great uh, to be a part of that at the Grove and to be with you guys on the journey. And so I have a, I just love what God's doing here. It's a little bit about links, but we'll put that away for now. But um, it's been great to be your cheerleader for four years and to get to drop in um, and see just how God has continued to, to grow a family here, but also to use you guys as a catalyst for some really cool kingdom things in Fort Bend County. And so it's an honor to just be friends with you guys and to be a part, have a small part in what God's doing. And so uh, we love you guys, and we're excited about what God continues to do here. It's really amazing. Joe and I were talking about this earlier. It's really amazing that you guys like had these shirts printed for St. Patrick's Day, these green um, shamrocky, uh, uh, not for the, something different. Sorry. All right, I'll just go, I'll go right on past it. No big deal. But 
I'm going to get into what I was asked here to do, and that's to preach through John chapter 16. Uh, thank you for reading it. That shaved five minutes off my message, so I'm in good shape for the rest of the time because there's really, um, Lance gave me enough scripture to preach four sermons, and so um, if it gets too long, if somebody wants to get out their Domino's app and just order for everybody, like, you know, it, it'll be great. We'll eat together. We'll continue. That was a joke. Not one person laughed. Has that happened before? <laughs> All right. Sorry. All right. Sorry, guys. Told you close to home. Didn't mean to. All right. So, John chapter 16. What I want to do is I want to just kind of teach through some of the things that we see. There's so much here. And here's, here's my promise to you. You're not going to catch everything that this passage is going to throw at you this morning. And so what I think would be good just kind of as a disclaimer is that as we go through this and as you kind of sense that there's something um, with your name on it, something that grabs you, something that challenges you, if you just kind of want to mentally and spiritually hold on to that, even though I'm going to keep going, just just start to begin to ask God, God, what specifically is in here for me? Why why this passage? Why today? What is this? What's in here? here for me. And I think we're going to walk, and then I'm going to come back at the end, and we're going to have some themes that we're going to just go through together. But it's just a rich passage, and so I want to do it justice. Um, I don't want us to be here for two hours, and I want God to speak to us more than anything. But here's what I want us to know, is that there are some things that God just really wants you to experience in this life. And two of those things overwhelmingly are joy and peace. And John 16 talks about both of those things. And on a day-to-day basis, I'm, all right, I almost broke this one. On a day-to-day basis, on a day-to-day basis, I just wonder if we're at places where we feel that we are experiencing joy. And this passage says not just joy, but a fullness of joy, a satisfying joy that accompanies us every day. Or how, how many people wake up on a Monday morning and the first thing you do is you go, I just feel peace. Whatever's coming this week, I'm completely at peace. It's like, these are two things from this passage God wants us, and there's good reasons. There's threats in our everyday life that present opposition to experiencing those things in our life. And so those are just two things that, that maybe God wants you to have some assurance about um, this morning. But let's go ahead and look at a fir- the first couple of verses here, verses 16 through 18. This little while bit, like it's just like so repetitive and so confusing. A little while and a little while and a little while. And, and Jesus makes full disclosure here. He says, look, I'm speaking figuratively. They're like, we don't understand what you're saying. He goes, I know, but you'll figure it out eventually. But there's, there's some little whiles. This is what Jesus is talking about in the little while. In a little while. So you guys had a, just came off learning about the Holy Spirit. And what's coming up very soon is Jesus is going to the cross. We are very focused. There is a sobriety to the words of Jesus. There is a a focus on serious things that need to be said here. So he's saying in a little while, number one, in a little while, Jesus is going to die on the cross. A little while after that, Jesus is going to raise from the dead. A little while after that, Jesus is going to ascend to the Father. A little while after that, Jesus is coming back for his church. Like that little while. Now here's the thing about little while. In one case, it's three days. In one case... Or one day it's a a couple hours. In one case, it's three days. In one case, it's 40 days. And in that fourth little while, we're going on 2,000 years of that that little while. And so this is what I think that's important for us is that God's not really concerned about time. God's not really concerned about time. God's concerned about who he is and who you are and what you believe about him, and how we interact with him. And so sometimes when we find ourselves in challenging positions, sometimes when we're confused, if you've ever been confused by things Jesus has said, you're in good company. 
You don't have to feel bad because you've read something in the Bible and gone, I, got n- I have no idea. The disciples are saying that same thing. And Jesus is just going, in a little while, when you need it, when it's most important, you'll get it. Just keep going. So don't let confusion be a distraction to your following of Jesus because it's something that they were experiencing. It's, it, this idea of time is just like in my life, I feel like God's regularly late. It's like he doesn't show up when I think that he should show. He doesn't answer my prayers usually when I think he should. He answers them when his time is right when it's the most important for the kingdom. And I can get frustrated with that. And I can get confused with that. And if I'm not careful, it can provoke doubts that I have about my relationship with God. And so maybe it's just me, but if you've ever been in that place, then we're in good company here because the disciples were experiencing the same thing. Let's move on. And so Jesus knew, I love this about Jesus. All throughout the scriptures, we see examples where people are asking questions like to themselves. And Jesus goes, let me answer that for you. Like, he just knows what is on your heart. And so this is what just baffles me about us. Why do we turn and ask everybody else and not go straight to Jesus? Why do we get everybody else's opinion? Why do we read books? Why do we read blogs? Why do we look on Twitter? Why do we go to so many other sources for life's most important questions when Jesus is going, look, I know what you're thinking. He's not surprised. There's nothing that you can bring to him that catches him off guard or that even disappoints. If you bring it to him, he has answers for you. And they were turning to each other and talking amongst themselves. And Jesus turns and says, hey, let me, let me address that for you. I think sometimes maybe we're embarrassed by our questions. But Jesus isn't. Jesus isn't offended. He never gets sick. Like, I get sick of answering questions, like, from my kids. But God doesn't. He doesn't. He celebrates this idea that you care enough about him. And you care enough about reconciling your faith and growing in your faith. That when you have those questions, when you have things that have confused you, Jesus is just waiting for you to bring those to him. Because it's an opportunity for your faith to grow. Sometimes we act like God doesn't know what we want to say to him. He already knows. So just saying it out loud and bringing it to him is a step of faith. That you believe that he loves you enough. That he's not going to mind. He's not of this world. He doesn't do what other people do when we bring questions and doubts and fears and concerns and confusion. He welcomes those questions with open arms. He's not annoyed. He's, it's an invitation. He doesn't rebuke them for their confusion. He doesn't rebuke them for not understanding. He just continues the conversation. And that's what God will do for us as well. So we see already, it's just like this awkward start to John, like this rich teaching about going to send the helper and the spirit. And then like, hey guys, in a little while, in a little while, in a little while. And they're like, what? And he goes, it's okay. I'm talking figuratively now, but I'm going to talk real in just a second. And then we see some of that here in verse 20. Jesus starts with this, truly, truly. And in the Bible, anytime you see truly, truly, it means Jesus is about to drop some significant knowledge on you. Like he's stopping enough to go, don't miss this. Truly, truly, heads up. This is super important. Don't miss what I have to say here. And so in John 20, he says, you will weep and lament and the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful but your sorrow will turn to joy. So there's two parts there, right? Let's look at this first part. In my generation, I don't think it's as much, it's much, it's as common today, but when I was growing up, like, it seemed like every appeal, every invitation to, to follow Jesus or become a Christian came with some kind of side promise that all your problems are going to go away and everything is going to be better. And it's like, that was a complete and total lie. 
It says it right here. Jesus is saying, truly, let me tell you the truth. You will weep and you will lament. Why? Because we live in a world that's fallen because of our choice to continually rebel and sin against God. So everywhere we turn in the world, even if it's not in our lives, even if we're walking obediently and we're, we're synced up, but we're surrounded by sin, and there's going to be situations in life that cause us to weep and to lament. There's going to be pain. There's going to be suffering. That is a reality of the life that we live in. And we're going to come back to this in a, in a little bit with a little more power. But sometimes I think we feel guilty if we find ourselves in a season where we're, we're weeping or we're mourning a loss or we're just upset or we're just frustrated. But I want you to know that Jesus is teaching his followers here that this is a part of life. In different seasons, you will weep. In different seasons, you will lament. In different seasons, you will have sorrow. But your sorrow will later turn to joy. See, this is both a teaching for them for right now because Jesus knows he's about to leave and what's going to happen to them when he leaves? They're not understanding everything that's going on and so their, 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 their Messiah that they've been following so closely is going to leave. He's going to, they're going to know of his brutal death on the cross that's going to create emotion in them that's going to evoke a response of weeping and lament and sorrow and so he's planting seeds of truth that I don't think they're necessarily receiving at the time but it's going to be incredibly important for them a little bit down the road. It's why it's always important for us to put ourselves in a position where we're feeding ourselves with the Word of God because even though something doesn't sink in right now, even though something might be confusing right now, in a little while, it'll be the very thing that you need in your heart to remind you that there's life on the other side of this. There's hope on the other side of this. There's joy on the other side of this. But then this other thing is just really hard because it says you will lament um, and weep and the world is going to laugh at you. The world is going to rejoice at the thing that causes you the greatest pain. I never thought that social media would be kind of the fuel for this. But it puts it into an incredible clarity for the world that we live in. If you have a value and you proclaim it, the world will rejoice in the destruction of that which you value. All the time. We should preach another sermon on how social media is not the best platform for expressing your views and uh, proclaiming your convictions, right? It, nobody, never mind. Like I said, that's another sermon. I'll say that one for you, Lance. So here's the thing that I want, but it's very real. That if you're a Christian and what you hold dear, very hard right now in the abortion debate, isn't it? How in the world can the world celebrate and rejoice Something so incredibly precious to God's people. I don't really have a good explanation, except for Jesus says that they will. And we're going to see that in his death. His death is celebrated and rejoiced over while the people that love him the most. So when we experience that, I just kind of want us to see still that we are in good company. And though we will have sorrow, our sorrow will eventually turn to joy. And the picture that Jesus uses next is one that's incredibly appropriate for me to talk about, and it's giving birth. Because I know everything there is to know about giving birth. It's just clearly, it's part of my story. It's not. Like, not very much. Um, Holly and I have one biological child. 
and I watched her labor, and I felt a different kind of pain from her pain in my hand and my ears, and, um, you know, we had kind of a labor gone badly that ended in a C-section, so we don't understand all of what is being talked about here, but um, I think it's probably just best for me to say it, but many of you do. Many of you do. But the other thing I want us to see is that from Genesis to Revelation, very regularly throughout the scriptures, the Bible talks about this process of spiritual growth being one of like being in labor. And it's not talking about, notice it, it doesn't say being pregnant. It's talking about the focused, intense time of that baby beginning to be born and the intensity of that anguish and that pain and the questions and the screams and the, the uncertainties and all of a sudden giving way to this miraculous gift. And throughout the scriptures, God just uses that as something that we need to be mindful of. That anytime we have a deep sense of sorrow, anytime we have a deep sense of pain, that is giving birth to something that will lead us to the fullness of joy. That's the reality of it. We had, Holly tells Jacob, I labored with you for 12 hours. You know, he drives now, so it's like, so go to the store for your mom. You know? And the girls try to be like, whoa, you didn't labor with us. Like, we're adopted. It's like, we, like we, labored, we both labored for you for 85 days in Ukraine. So clean your room. It was a whole different kind of giving birth. My kids are like bowing their heads in shame. It's awesome at the moment. There's fullness of joy in having a microphone when your kids are in the... It's good stuff. Truly, truly, I say to you, you're going to weep, you're going to lament, and the world isn't going to care. Not only that, they're going to mock you, they're going to rejoice when you're struggling. But that will give way to joy just like a new baby being born after the birthing process. I do want to stop for just one second because I also understand that um, just the mention of this for, for women in the room who, who your sorrow and pain is because of infertility, I just want to just kind of state for the record that that's not your fault. That's not because of something that you've done wrong. It's not something, I mean, just historically, there's just terrible, well-meaning people say horrible things to you, and they don't know what they're saying, and they don't know that that feels like the world rejoicing at your sorrow and pain, but I just want you to be reminded that that's not lost on God, and just like we said with the tears in the bottle, like that sorrow, it's not going to be wasted. It's something that somehow God is going to use in your life. And you will experience a fullness of joy through that sorrow and pain through one way or another. And if that's you this morning and you're struggling with that, man, Holly and I have been there. We'd love to pray with you after this is over um, just to encourage you. And if that's helpful to you, it's not what the focus of the message is, but I just know that, that it can evoke strong responses anytime we mention it. And so just want you to know you're not forgotten. God cares about you, loves you. We can support you in any way. We would love to do that. Moving on. 
You will have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Now, this is not the first time that Jesus has alluded to his own death with these guys, and he's planting these seeds of truth that they will desperately need in the future. You will be sad, but you will know rejoicing on the other side. And I love that what's included in this is I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice. So what is this telling us? It's telling us if you want full and lasting joy, it comes in the presence of Jesus. When you are in the presence of God, it's the only place that you will experience the reality of this full and sustaining joy strong enough to overcome any of the sorrow and pain that you've experienced along the way. I will see you again. That is a promise from Jesus. And in the presence of God, that's a joy that nobody can take from you. It's a joy that even when the world's rejoicing, it doesn't, you have greater joy than the reality of the sorrow in your life because in the presence of God, it all fades away. And what's the most important thing is right in front of you. And when you experience that, it's a feeling like nothing else that you could ever know. The presence of God brings joy and peace, even in the midst of sorrow. The presence of God brings joy and peace. He moves on. In verse 23 and 24, and he says, In my name, in that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. This is kind of shocking to me. These guys have been walking with Jesus for three years, and they haven't asked for anything in Jesus' name yet. This is what we call failing at spirituality. What does that mean? There's two different types of asking being talked about. Number one, asking because of their confusion. Well, I thought you were God. I thought God does this. Well, you're Jesus, so what is that? So there's these peripheral questions that are asking about God. And then Jesus addresses another kind of asking that's asking of God. One is the indication of a relationship that you have with him. One is an indication that you're on the outside of faith. You're still trying to check out who God is and what he does and what he says and if it's true and how does it look like and how does it work. And this teaching is so pointed. Because almost in this verse it's like, are you just going to continue messing around with God? Are you going to continue pretending like you don't know who he is and deflecting with these questions about whether or not you want, to, you want to believe in him or become a Christian? And Jesus is laying this out now and he's saying, it's time for those questions about me to be questions of me. Step into faith and start asking God for things that only God can do. Stop Worrying about whether or not you're going to go to heaven or not as the only motivation for following Jesus and step into this life that offers peace and joy that's sustaining and that's full and that literally can bring heaven to earth. For some people, it's time I quit acting like you don't know the answers to these questions and believe in God and start coming to him and asking him for God's stuff in your life. If God answered every prayer that you're praying today, would the world be any different? Or would your bank account be fuller, you have a nicer place to live, and your life would be more comfortable? Or are orphans being taken into homes? Or are the hungry being fed? Or are the homeless being housed? What kind of prayers are we praying, church? I love taking Joe with me. <laughs> if you could have a Joe, it always works out. 
If our prayers, church, of God were answered in Fort Bend County, what would Fort Bend County look like? But we spend so much time just trying to convince people why church is important and why they should come and why they should make it a priority that we get distracted. And it's like, let's not get lost in the periphery of about God and let's be of God. Let's be with God and let's ask for his kingdom to come and his will be done in Forbing County in 60 different countries as it is in heaven. In my name. And that's not, like a, that's not like a magic formula that you just automatically get it because you said in his name. Because that doesn't mean your heart's necessarily matched up with the things of God. So when we pray for things that God doesn't answer, it's like, well, maybe it's not time yet. Or maybe we're praying in the periphery instead of praying to the Father. Either way, let's ask ourselves some hard questions. Let's ask ourselves some hard questions about the things that we're praying for. Whatever you ask that matches up with the will of the Father, he's going to give you. So if he's not giving us what we're praying, we need to look and see, are we praying it in his name? Are we praying it with what's more consistent with who he is and what he wants to do? Maybe it's time for there to be a shift in our prayer life. All right, I'm going to try to go fast through the rest. Here we go in verse 25. No more figures of speech, right? He said, I've said these things in figures of speech. Now I'm not going to say them in figures of speech. So heads up, right? He, I love this because he said, there's going to become a time where I'm no longer going to speak to you in figures of speech. What he doesn't tell them is it's going to be the very next thing he says. <laughs> so remember, God, in a little while to God, it could mean a bunch of different things. And he's, but he's doing this beautiful plea, right? He's like, look, I told you that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You've already learned about that here. And John, the only way to the Father is through the Son, so they know that. And he's saying, because you believe that, because you're with me, you don't need me. You have direct access to the Father, and your prayers can go straight to him. And I'm going to be there with him. We're going to be together. But he's giving them this beautiful picture of the love of God for his children and the invitation to experience fellowship and relationship together. And he said, I'm not going to, there's going to come a time, it's going to be right now. Let's go to the next verse there in 29. Um, and they, they finally go, oh, now we get it. And listen to what they say. Now we believe. What? You saw dead people raised from the dead. You saw 5,000 people get fed. You saw your own personal life get turned upside down. You've seen Jesus preach with authority that nobody else has come close to. You've, you've listened to every sermon. And now, you believe? How could they have missed it for so long? And I wish I could tell you. But all that means, if they could miss it, then there's a lot of people in church missing it too. And if you've been missing it, I'm not, I, it's not my job to judge. I'm just saying, you don't have to miss it anymore. Come on. This is an invitation to come to the Father. And so if you're like, you know what? I didn't get it before, but now I get it. Praise God. Welcome to the family. Let's start praying some prayers that mean something. Let's go together. Now you're speaking plainly. Now we know that you know all things. Are you, now we know you know all things? 
Okay? But for whatever reason, the scales from their eyes just left. And they make a bold declaration of their faith. And immediately their faith gets challenged. Let's look at this next one. Jesus said, do you now believe? Really? Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each to his home, and you'll leave me alone. Guys, as soon as we make that declaration, our faith is going to be challenged. It's going to be put to the test. And it's going to make you want to bail. And Jesus' closest followers and friends, at the time where he was the most rejected and the world was rejoicing in his death, they fled. They scattered. A couple of them came back. But they all scattered and left him alone. And Jesus, I love this because he's like, don't miss the point here. The point is not that I was lonely and how could you abandon me? Jesus said, I was just fine. Jesus had no problem going to the cross when his followers abandoned him. He still fulfilled everything the Father gave him to do. Who missed out? They did. They did. They reacted to their fear. They reacted to their pain. And they abandoned God in the, the intensity of their sorrow. And in that moment, they didn't remember that it was going to turn to joy. One time when Holly and I had just started our church, well, it was a couple years into our church, our church was struggling bad. San Marcos was not interested in new churches at the time. And we tried everything, and we had 200 people at our grand opening, and we're like, man, this, we got this, you know? Six months later, we, we had grown it to 35. It was amazing. Like, we were speaking at conferences, and it was, no, we weren't. We were like, did we, did we miss God? Was it, was it something I said? Did we, and it turns out we just didn't know our community as well as we thought we had. And we reorganized and we reoriented and treated it as if we were sent as missionaries to our city. And by the grace of God, now there's still a church there even after 15 years because we were able to make some changes. But we went and visited the UK for the first time. Our friends had invited us over and we were in this church and the pastor was preaching, and, and this has only happened to Holly and I a couple different times in our life to where, like, we left the experience having heard from God what we felt like was the exact same thing. And so here we were in the, the midst of fighting for this church and giving it our all and, and not pouring ourselves out. And the, we heard God speak in his church meeting. We felt him speak to us, I don't need you. And I went... Is our plane going to crash, like, on the way home? Like, that was it? We've had, a, we've had a good run, and it's over? And then we just kind of chased that thought. And he goes, and he just kind of continued to show us, it's like, I don't need you to build my church. I'll handle that. I'm just inviting you to trust me. I'm inviting you to pray prayers. I'm inviting you to be relieved of the pressure of leading anybody into the kingdom and trust me to do what I said I would do. And I, I, picked, I just felt that again when I was doing this. It's like, hey, I'm not alone. The Father's with me. He's got this. He's got me. And there's not this pressure on you and I to be the answer to God's prayers unless he sees fit to have us be. It's his kingdom or it's his church, we get to participate. We get to be a part of it. 
And then he takes us to the end here. In this world, I've said these things to you that in you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. You know what? You know what? There's confusion here, by the way. Because Jesus has not yet gone to the cross. He has not yet raised from the dead. He has not yet ascended to the Father. But he speaks as though he has. I have overcome the world. It is finished, even though in time, it hasn't been finished yet. And I think this is an amazing insight for us as children. Even if you stand in a place where it doesn't look like he's overcome yet, he already has. Even if you're not on the other side of it in time, you're on the other side of it in the kingdom. So even though you're trusting God and you're questioning God and you're confused about God, he says, I've already overcome. So give thanks to him as, you're on, as if you're on the other side of the sorrow and pain. Because you know why? He is. And his presence is. And you'll be there soon enough. One way or another. We can trust him. That no matter what we face in the world, he's overcome it. Let me put these four things up. And this, maybe one of these is your hooks for today. Maybe it's all of them. But let's just go ahead and put all four of them up. Because Jesus is overcome. In our lives. Whether he has in, whether we feel it or not right now where we sit. These realities can be ours through our relationship with him. Your confusion can be replaced with confidence. In the book of Acts, these same guys who couldn't figure it out turned the world upside down through the power of the Spirit that God sent to them. The same can be true of you. Your confusion can turn to confidence. Because Jesus has overcome, our suppositions, our doubts, our questions, our concerns, our is God this, can be replaced with supplications. To where we're asking him for things that will change the world, not just change our lives. We can see being scattered. If we're at a place where if we're honest, we're saying, I'm not with God right now. I know he's right here, but I went over here because I couldn't take it or because I was afraid. He's just inviting you back. And you can experience strength where your, your instinct was to scatter. So Baal, that can be transformed into strength in your faith. And this last, your sorrow. Your sorrow can be transformed to joy and to peace. In the presence of God. In a relationship with Jesus. These are things that we can know. When? In a little while? Maybe in three minutes? Maybe in 40 days. I don't know. It doesn't. God has got that figured out. But our opportunity is to respond in faith to the things that we feel him leading us into. And these are realities that I believe he wants you to experience. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you love us. Thank you that our doubts and fears and confusions and sorrows don't disqualify us from your kingdom. Thank you that you transform hearts and lives in your presence. Thank you that your word, your truly, truly is all that we need. 
Thank you that no matter where we sit, you have already overcome. May we live our lives as if that's true. We need you. We trust you. Use us, God, to build your kingdom in your timing and in your heart. We want to be with you. And we want these things to be real for us. Thank you for giving us a place to meet. Thank you for what you're doing at the Grove. Pray your blessings on this church in every way. May this be a place where people walk in and feel your presence because you are in the people. May this be a place where your kingdom is grown through salvations. May this be a place where missionaries are sent from continuously. Protect the elders and provide for their every need. And may their prayers, their God prayers, their big prayers be answered in your timing. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.